Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Shield. We're happy to have today Dr. Kevin Milne, who is going to be our special guest host. He is the Associate Dean of Human Kinetics and Professor in the Human Kinetics Department at the University of Windsor. He will be moderating today's conversation on Black History Month and anti-racism. And joining uh, Dr. Kevin Milne today on the podcast, and we have a very special panel today of three different Black student athletes um, from our Windsor Lancer family. So we have Paloy Simon from the men's basketball team, Tristan Carter from the football team, and Nemo Tenney from the women's basketball team. So hopefully everybody takes something away from today's important conversation and understands that this is a safe space that these students came forward to share their experiences and thoughts. So I hope everybody enjoys the conversations that were had today in the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the University of Windsor's Alumni Association. Show us how you are Windsor proud by visiting the Alumni Association's Instagram and Twitter pages. Share your U Windsor memory or post a photo from your time on campus. For more information, visit uwindsor.ca forward slash alumni. All right, well, uh, welcome to an episode of Behind the Shield. You know, we have four panelists, including myself, uh, for today's episode. Um, and, you know, the way that we'd like to start this is maybe just each of our panelists, you know, tell us a, a little bit about uh, who you are um, and kind of how you got to where you are uh, right now. So, you know, we'll start with Taloy. you got the biggest image on my screen right now, so let's start with you. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. So, uh, my name is Taloy Simon. I'm from Kitchener, Ontario. Um, my background, I'm from South, uh, South Sudan. Came to Canada in 2003. Um, you know, lived in Kitchener since then. Um, again, I'm a varsity athlete here at the University of Windsor. I am on the men's basketball team, as well as the captain on the team. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about myself, I guess. Sounds right. good. So we got... So we got some good representation of, of, of Ontario. We got Kitchener in there. So we'll go up to Nemo. Uh, hey, sorry. Nemo, full name is Nemo Tenny. I am also, well, Floyd's my second cousin. So like I've known him all my life. And I also grew up in Kitchener. Was born in Kenya, also South Sudanese. I think, honestly, focusing on sports was like my outlet. Yeah, you know what? So Nemo. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll try to guide us into, you know, thinking about this a little more. I think that that's a good introduction that you had uh, to start. So let, let's move over to Tristan and we'll come back to, to, to everybody again. Hi, my name's Tristan. I'm on the football team. Uh, I grew up in Chicago and I spent my time, my high school years in Virginia. Uh, my outlet to get where I am today was through football. So yeah, that's me. All right, excellent. And you know, as the moderator, I'll say that I grew up in uh, Scarborough, Toronto, uh, Ontario. Uh, you know, I came through Windsor and doing my undergrad, uh, went through London to do some grad work, uh, back to Toronto for a bit, uh, back to London, and, and now sitting here in Windsor uh, in the Faculty of Human Kinetics. And so, you know, part of this introduction and talking about who we are, one of the things that I, you know, think is important for us to recognize um, are some stats that are you know, unfortunately, I'd say disappointing. So, you know, if you look at black men and women in, 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 in this is probably true of Canada, but I know that when the data comes out of places like Toronto and Ontario, you know, they're only half as likely to hold a bachelor's degree. 
Moreover, you know, whereas almost 100%, 95% want a university degree, only 60% think they will get a university degree. So when I'm looking at, you know, the successful people on this call or on this podcast, you know, there's something that makes you, you've, you've got past some barriers, right? You've come up against some barriers. But so when I ask about, like, how did you get here? Obviously, there were challenges. And so, again, it, this is open to any of you right now. But, you know, how do you think you got here? And you brought up sport. We're all athletes. So actually, you guys are athletes. I was a failed athlete, pretty much a failed athlete right now, too. Um, but you guys are all athletes. And, I, and so I, I suspect that sport was a component in it. But, you know, maybe talk about coming up as a young person, you know, be that in the Chai or, 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 or in Virginia um, or Kitchener um, and how, you know, you progress to where you are. So I'll, I'll open that to anybody. Um, I'll, I'll start. <clears throat> so I'm fortunate enough to have a self-made father or a self-made man as my father. He didn't come from much, a loving family for sure, but the tangible things and the opportunities were not there for him as a kid. So another route that I feel strongly about that besides athletics that people can take to educate themselves to eventually get a degree is through the military. The military will pay for your school. I have plenty of friends. I have plenty of family in the military. None of them are hungry at night. All of them can afford a roof over their head and they all drive the car that they want to drive. So that's how my father got into the life he wants to live. And him doing that, he broke down many barriers that I did not have to break myself. Of course, I had to go through my own stuff as well. But, um, and I chose athletics to get through that when I realized that I had a skill set. When I realized, when I learned that I had a skill set that could get me an education, that's when I started to really work on my skill set. And I had to make sure that I, kept in mind that the main goal is to become a student athlete in, at, a, at the university level and to emphasize student as much as athlete. But uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, I can carry on with that. So um, with me, um, you know, I, again, I was born in Ethiopia, but my parents are from South Sudan and uh, we, had um, come to Canada escaping um, all the civil war and all that stuff as refugees and stuff. So um, when we came here, um, again, we didn't have much, you know, because uh, obviously we're in a new country. Um, kind of had to like um, adapt to everything else um, here in uh, obviously in Kitchener and Canada. So um, yeah, for me, um, going through elementary school, um, you know, it was like a group of community. A lot of my teachers are the one that kind of, you know, kind of helped me um, become again who I am today, especially wanting to be a teacher. Um, so um, yeah, I remember in grade seven, um, um, again, I have one influential teacher that really means a lot to me to this day. And I um, thank her a lot for, you know, just instilling the importance of education. Um, not so much as an athlete, because I've always been a, a great soccer player. Um, I picked up the skills of basketball along the way as well. So um, I remember in grade seven, um, she asked me who who do I want to become and or what do I want to be and I said a soccer player and she said no to Lloyd like like who do you want like that's it like what if, what if you get injured and I just said I, I actually don't know I just I told her I want to get my parents out of the situation that they're in right now and, and just you know 
have the money to help them whatever way, whatever way I can. And then, you know, I looked at her and throughout that year, I'm just like, man, I want to become a teacher, you know, like, like I, I've always was inspired to become a teacher because I always wanted to like help out and like uh, be involved um, in whatever I can, anybody, you know, um, that year. And then I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a teacher. And then aside from that, basketball also played a, a big role in who I am today, um, especially because um, it just allowed me to like, one, uh, be recruited and, you know, uh, pursue um, being this institution. And um, yeah, and it allowed me to pick up a lot of the skills that I didn't have as well. But overall, um, again, I became who I am today because of the community of people who helped um, um, develop me and, and just show me the way that I didn't have, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I totally I, I get it. And we're gonna come back to some things you said in there, both you and Tristan, and I'll just move over to Nemo if she wants to add some more. Yes, of course. I'm finally collecting my thoughts. Um, so for me, I came to Canada when I was, I believe I was one or two. Um, so I was pretty young. And one thing, uh, very similar to Toloi, obviously, uh, came here with pretty much nothing. Um, and growing up, my mom was always just finding work, basically. Um, and my dad lives in Australia, so they not together. So it was, I was just raised by my mother. And I have three older brothers, so honestly, fortunately, um, because having them around definitely um, was a huge contributor to even the fact that I'm like, I made it this far. Um, reason I say that is because growing up, even like when I talked to my dad, he'd always tell me, I was a stubborn kid, and most of the times when he'd call me, he'd be like, yeah, like obviously go to school, like focus on that, um, you have like an opportunity. And he'd always say, you know, one day you can be your brother's assistant. And I'm stubborn. So, and I'd always be like, no, like I'm going to be my own boss. He can be mine, but I'm not his. <laughs> and so that mindset from a very young age with the help of my brothers and like my cousins, like Toloi and everything, seeing them um, so focused and, and continuously keeping me on track definitely helped me. And when I started playing sports, uh, again, it was because of my brothers, they all played sports as well, um, pushed me to do so. And to be honest, my mom was not about it. Like, she's like, no, like you should be, you should learn how to cook. You should learn how to clean, like get ready for marriage. Like, like make sure you have an education, but the goal is to be a woman and to, to take care of the family. And for me, that was, that was not it. I was not trying to do that. And, um, and then when, and with the help of my brothers and like, just, I grew up a lot of, around a lot of guys, so with the help of them and just consistently keeping me on track and pushing those those negative, that not really negative energy, but those like stereotypes away, um, that definitely helped me get to where I am today. Yeah. So again, you know, it's pretty it's pretty amazing that we have on this, and, and, and this was not planned, at least that I know, but we have you know such diverse backgrounds, um, you know, of the panelists. So. You know, my parents came from the Caribbean, both of them, uh, uh, moved to Toronto. Um, and so I'm first generation born in Toronto. Um, and then we have people who were born outside of the country, both in the United States uh, and in uh, Africa and, 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 you know, obviously different places of the world. 
So, you know, there's, there are a lot of things that you guys brought up that I think are really important. And, you know, Tristan, you talked about your dad, you know, until you're talking about, you know, a teacher, you know, who was a mentor and, and, and Nemo, same thing, your family being mentors. And so maybe, you know, let, let's, let's go into that a little bit more because again, I'll try to I'll maybe throw some little anecdotes in there, but you know, if I'm thinking about where, how I got to where I am, because, you know, I had, I grew up with predominantly black friends, right? My, my family, you know, the, the parties we go to all from the Caribbean, you know, I listen to soca music, reggae music, you know, um, and I see, you know, other members of my community who I, I look at that stat saying, you know, only 60% believe that they can get a degree. I never thought I couldn't get a degree. Neither my mom nor my dad had a university degree but I never thought I couldn't get it. And I try to think about what the reason, wh why I have that in my head. And even though my dad didn't have a university degree, he worked at a college. So I used to go to a college and see what was happening. there. But I also had mentors that never told me, you know, you cannot do this. And that was an important part because I've seen people tell young black kids, you shouldn't be thinking this way. You, uh, maybe you should try this. Uh, you know what, you're not going to make it. I've seen that happen to some of my friends. And, you know, maybe we can speak a little bit about the importance of those mentors. So, you know, maybe I'll start with uh, Toa. Let's go with you. You, know, you talked about a mentor. So, you know, who what, that person was a teacher. Yeah, I think he's a grade seven, eight. Uh, grade, grade seven teacher. So, yeah, you, you're right on the ball, man. Because, like, um, I knew in grade three I wanted to become some type of teacher. But that... I didn't have the, I didn't know the direction. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what it is. I just knew I wanted to be a teacher. So um, I remember, yeah, grade seven again, like it was just like one of those things where um, like I never knew it was possible. Because I remember in grade eight, we were choosing our um, high school courses. And um, again, um, they gave me the form, I remember. Um, and I always, I bring her everything. Like ever since I developed that relationship in grade seven, we were tight, you know, everything was good. And then I showed her the form and I remember they were trying to insist for me to take applied courses. And um, she was like, I was like, hey, hey, Ms. Queen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take these courses. Da, 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 da. Uh, they said for me to take apply. Uh, I don't know the difference between apply and university. Obviously, I can't go home because they don't know what, what's going on. So um, I asked her and she's like, no, Taloy, you're not, you're not taking applied courses. You are taking academics. And then I'm like, why? And then she's just like, okay, with the university or you're taking out academic courses, you'll have, you can choose to go to university or go to college. But if you do take apply, you're going to have a harder, well, it's going to be a different direction to get to university. Um, and then I'm like, oh, dang. And then I guess prior to that, why they were telling me to take a, apply courses is because she had shared with me later on um, that, um, in the system, how it is, is when kids are coming in grade six, you, um, get these, um, I guess you get kids report, you know, you know what kids are, you know, they, they kind of tell you a little bit of the background of the kids. And then, um, they insisted that, you know, like, I guess, I guess my reading level and some levels were lower than others. Um, so then that's how they predetermine, you know, like what your ability is. And then, yeah. Ultimately, I took academic courses, and then it wasn't hard. <laughs> like again, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. Like 
the yeah. work that I was doing grade eight, the same effort that I was putting in, ultimately got me through because again, it's just the same concept. Now you just gotta, you know, spend a little bit more time on them. And which, if it wasn't for her just explaining that concept, the difference between applied and academic, I would have probably, again, one, probably not even finished high school because I probably just would have been just fooling around, not having a vision. And then two, I probably, again, wouldn't have even gone to university or, or anything like that. So and again, me, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you a question because you said that. How many languages do you speak? Two. So I speak Noor. That's yeah. the language at home. And then obviously English. Yeah. So just think, think about that for a second. Think about the power in that, right? Now, the, now Canada is a bilingual country. I would say that, you know, probably the majority of people understand a little bit of French, maybe. Um, but English is the, you know, the, the primary language. But when you think about coming from a different country and the number of languages that you speak or that you have to learn to speak, right? So you probably took French in school as well, right? Yes. yes. Right. So, you, you know, the number of languages that you have to learn to speak, the power in that, you know, versus someone who, you know, grows up here, you know, is third generation, fourth generation from Canada. And, you know, it's something that people don't understand. You know, it's a challenge, but it doesn't make you dumber, right? Like it actually makes it, you know, I, I think it makes you smarter. It makes you, you know, you have to work, you have to work extra hard to make sure that you're, you know, you get through. And so it's just important that you remember, you, you know, you recognize that for anybody that you're talking to, anybody coming into the country who, you know, speak, doesn't speak English as their first language. We try, we tend to dumb down what we think or consider is going on. And, you know, your, your, your thoughts about the, you know, if the amplification of the division of a student who goes into an applied level course, now you basically can't get to university, right? So how important it is to have that belief and have someone who's telling you uh, to be there. So anyways, I'll let you continue. It is extremely important, man. Like, again, like, again, I remember in earlier levels when I was learning how to speak English, like, I fear going to ESL class because and then just taking that turn, I'm going to ultimately be made fun of at recess, you know what I mean? So it was like, Again, it's one of those things where um, um, I hope, you know, like ed as educators, you know, we, we kind of like, you know, um, make that not a bad thing to, you know, be learning ESL, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, if again, going to my teacher, if she hadn't done that, um, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, do my SAT and go play a div the division two level. I wouldn't have been able to like understand what some of the requirements are to get me to the route that I am today. And a lot of the kids or a lot of um, people my color, or a lot of people are like, just like us being black, you don't get, you know, you don't get people like that that give us that type of knowledge and wisdom to just, again, just help us um, take the route to be, you know, with to be in the same line or in the same linear, um, um, you know, path as, you know, again, as, other people in our community so yeah yeah so you know so talking about the mentor there Nima I'll go up to you your fan do you want to talk a little bit about you know how mentorship or, or family community how it helped you yeah of course um so I would say for me again like so when I came over uh to Canada I was about two and so my brothers were a little older and um for me because they kind of their experience was obviously different from mine. And again, like my mom was always working and trying to find just a means to, to you know, 
provide for that for us. So my my brothers and all my cousins and everything were the ones that kind of raised me in a sense. Um, and with the, like with with that with that support around me, I I was kind of protected in a way and um, was always guided in the right direction. And I'm so fortunate for that. Like um, I guess like from my oldest, the second, like there was always some, you know, a few mistakes obviously going down. And because of that, like they were very strict and very protective over me, um, which kept me on the right track. Like I, I, I was always going to the gym with my brothers. I was, I was always like, I always had to make sure I was doing well in school. Um, I was always reporting to, to them. Like, and so that was, that was kind of the, the the like start and kind of my my primary like support system um at a young age and then moving forward and then obviously like when i get started getting older i also had a community um i also had teachers and coaches obviously that kind of helped me and guided me in the right directions but ultimately at the end of the day it was always my family um that made sure i was doing the right thing and i would definitely get the I, I, I was I, I was always scared to see what would happen I never like I would never mess up like honestly most times I was always doing the right thing because I was like I don't even know what's gonna happen so let me just do everything <laughs> right <laughs> so I did I did pretty well growing up but again that was because of my brothers and that was because of my family and the community that what that was surrounded by me and my mom is scary so yeah, yeah there's not there's not a lot of messing up for screwing up in my, in my life. Well, you know, we're get, I'm going to come back to that kind of the, an intersection of uh, like sex and gender if we if we have time a, a little bit later. But, you know, if for those of you who can't see, everybody was smiling um, at that point where you're talking about family and, and not wanting to do something wrong, like not, not you know, scared to do something wrong. So Tristan, you know, you, you brought up your dad and you say your dad is self-made and, you know, maybe, again, maybe expand a little bit on how that was beneficial to you or if there were other mentors as well, right? So, you know, I, I can't remember how old you were, but high school in Virginia and yeah. Chicago was, was younger, you know, two places that, um, it, again, I, I talked to Tristan before before this happened I'll, and I'll just make this point out there. When I was growing up in, in Toronto, I played, you know, competitive soccer. Uh, you know, there are, there is, you know, racism that you experience in Canada um, and, Anyways, you know, we went down to Virginia to play in a tournament. You know, my team was probably of the 14 kids. You know, seven of us were black kids on that team. And it was the first time that playing a sport, we were probably like 14 years old. Um, we had parents and athletes calling us N-words, like in sport. So that would happen in other places. That would happen, you know, maybe at the, at the subway or something like that. You were in, in an altercation. But... This is in sport, parents calling us the N-word. And so, you know, we had a guy on the team that was probably six foot one at the time, 14. And, you know, one of the biggest black guys at the time that, you know, we were playing with who had tears in his eyes at that time. And so, Tristan, you're coming from, you know, uh, the United States, which has its own, you know, type of uh, racism is not different, but, you know, probably has more history of that overt level racism. You know, how did mentorships, your dad, you know, help you kind of get through that? Uh, so <clears throat> growing up, my parents and my dad, especially, you know, they preach education. That's that was their main thing because 
that's what that's what they saw and so many people that they that if you focus on your education at that time now the goal is to get a university degree so you can eventually network and get a get a good job when you grow up right so <clears throat> around uh junior year of high school that's when you know football started kicking off actually hold on freshman sophomore year grades were great everything was good junior year that's when I started, you know, I started getting mail, started getting letters, handwritten notes from like these big school names, uh, Michigan, JMU, Florida, uh, uh, the list goes on, right? <clears throat> and then I remember one night my dad said, he told me to go get all my, all my letters, all the mail from the schools, put it on the table. And then he went upstairs, he said he'll be right back. He came back downstairs with a printed uh, grade report and my grades had dropped. And he told me, he said, uh, football can be taken away from you tomorrow. You can roll your ankle, you could be done playing football forever, but they cannot take your brain, they cannot take your education. So you have to remember what you are here for. Yes, you're a student athlete, make sure you emphasize student as much as athlete, right? <clears throat> so within all of that, I think because they preach education, education so much, I put my head down and went to work and no matter what was around me, <clears throat> uh, I just, didn't let other things bother me. Uh, racism was, yeah, it was it was hidden. It was blatant. Microaggressions, macroaggressions. Like uh, I'll share a story right now. Um, <clears throat> I used to work at. I used to deliver pizzas for Papa John's five years ago in the summer. Uh, <clears throat> I had I was on break and I went to the convenience store. It's right around the corner from Papa John's. So I wanted to get a Gatorade and a chocolate bar. So I'm walking out. I see a truck. A white older white man in the truck. I think nothing, nothing of it. So I, I continue walking by the truck and all I hear is you effing N-word. And I stop and I'm like, like, did I hear what I just heard? So I turn around, of course, I'm upset. I'm not happy about it. And then he pulls out a gun. So, so I'm like, all right, let me take my butt in this convenience store before I end up another statistic, right? So, and then when I reflected on it later that night, that if if the security camera had caught in what if the security camera was in the right position and I let's say I had approached the man because I was angry about being called a slur, <clears throat> the camera would have caught a black man approaching a white man. And in court of law, he could use that as self-defense. So that was really eye-opening to me when I reflected on it. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And 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 you know, it's you, you bring up a, a really good point of, you know, this is something that happened. This was in in where was this? In Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so so this is something that happened to you. Obviously, you were delivering pizzas. You're, you know, able to drive. So you're over 16, you know, you're, you're whatever. So this is not too long ago. This is less than, you know, five years, let's say. I don't know. Yep. Right. Yep. Less than less than five years, and something that people, you know, non-black people, non-minorities in 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 you know a place that's majority white, um, they can't believe that these things happen. And I think all of us have, you know, examples of you know the experiences of overt racism, like what you're talking about there. What I the example I've given, um, and it's hard for people to believe that these things happen. So again, I, I you know. Taloy or, or, or Nima, I don't, I don't know if you wanted to share an experience. You don't have to, but you know, just obviously you're young people. So this is not happening 
40 years ago or 30 years ago, like what happened to me, this is happening within the last decade. I don't know if you want to share an experience. So yeah, I can add on to Tristan. Um, I went to school in Missouri. So um, I remember uh, 2015. So I was there my freshman year, 2015. And uh, election was going on. And you know, I'm Canadian. I don't really know, like, because we would go to the back, just drive around. And then the Walmart that we go through is like, it's like in a little, a little town, but we have to go past the little town. And I see a lot of Confederate flags. As a Canadian, I'm a history major, so I kind of understand the history of America. So it was like um, a couple of my buddies, which I'm really close to, one's from California, one's from Chicago. Um, they were just understand. They're like, "Yo, bro, we can't. You know, we we can't ever if we run out of gas down this down this uh, down this area. It's a wrap." I'm like, "What are you talking about, bro?" And then I remember we got to Walmart, and there was a big truck, you know, Confederate flag on the back of the truck. And same thing, like Tristan, like the guy we got out, and there was like two big uh, white guys, <laughs> you know, and the guy, one of them looked at us and stared at me, um, the smaller guy in the group, and I, I was I was behind. I turned around. I always, I'm always a curious one. I always have to know my surroundings all, all the time. My my two friends are in front of me. They're walking to Walmart. I turned behind me. I can feel them walking right behind me, and like they weren't really, you know, like approachable like you can kind of tell they're having a, a bad idea or something uh the one guy's like if you looking at the n-word and then i'm like wait what and then I, and then my my buddies is like t-dog just just keep walking and then with that that's that was my kind of like um introduction or you know welcome to missouri moment and then when donald trump got um when he won uh the election i remember that morning i woke up me and my buddy were going to have breakfast and i was like Again, I kid you not, it was like my first day in Canada, not knowing how to speak English. I was completely, I felt like an outcast. Like it was just the level of entitlement. Um, when I was walking um, to the breakfast, uh, it's called Havener, it's like a little arena. The level, the level of entitlement from certain individuals that morning, I kid you not, something I can never witch on anybody. It was like one of those moments where like, you don't belong, like it was just like, and I'm like, my, my, we went back. We didn't, I didn't go to class that I just went and got breakfast and went back. And then I'm, I'm like, yo, bro, what's, is it me or like, do you feel like a new kid on campus? And then my, my friends, like a team, man, I feel the same way. I was going to call my mom because I don't feel safe. Cause then that same evening, they were like, um, they were hosting like a few people are holding like, uh, overnight sites to like, um, I don't know. They were bringing awareness or something, protests or something. Cause I heard there was like, uh, um, someone who made a threat saying, if you're black, be aware we're coming. And with that, I didn't know that, but that whole day, that was kind of mine to like, you know, welcome to Missouri. And, and from then I'm like, damn, this, this is ugly. Obviously I already know what it is in Canada of how I can share it quickly. But, um, here in Canada, like something that happened to me was like, I remember, um, my fifth year, I was writing the SAT, you know, I was just, uh, me and Nemo is the older brother. We we hung out a lot. The, uh, so we played video games a lot. And the one day we wanted to go to uh, Dollarama to go get some batteries for our uh, place or uh, Xbox 360. So we were playing 2K. We ran out of battery. We needed batteries. Went to Dollarama. Um, we got the batteries, but me, I wanted a snack. So I went to the snack aisle and I seen a guy who just watching me and watching everything I was doing. And then 
I seen him, keep getting closer, and I'm like, you know what? Let me go on the next side. Let me go get some chips. Um, the same guy, seeing the corner of my eye, keeps falling. And with me, I'm, uh, I like, you know, I'm, I like, I like to like know what's going on. So then I went to the next aisle. He keep following me. I told my cousin in my language, "Hey man, let's just go check out." You know, I grabbed my chocolate bar, obviously. And then the same buddy came. My cousin was in front of me. I was behind. He's like, he's stealing. He's stealing. Like making reckless noise for no reason. I'm like. Wait, hold up. So he went past me. I thought he's talking to me. He went past me. He's at my cousin. My cousin's like 6'5". He's a big guy. You know, a big guy. And he's, yeah. he's harmless. So um, he went. He's on my cousin's hip, trying to go in his pocket. My, mind me, that morning, my cousin's threw on basketball shorts. He has no pockets. So I'm like, okay. I was like, okay. So buddy, he's shorter guy. My cousin's a big guy. Um... My cousin was just like out of it that morning because when he's he's just tired, he's just looking in the line, just there. He doesn't know what's going on. And I'm the guy's like, he's still wait, 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 and then go in his pocket. I'm like, he has no pocket. What are you talking about? My cousin seen him and then brushed him off. I'm like, what are you doing? And then he's like, I see me stealing on the aisle. And my cousin like, are you stupid? What are you talking about? And then um, we the situation got escalated. Um, there was a lot of people in line, and he made all this noise and all that stuff. So we kind of made him look dumb because i'm like what are you talking about why like why would you think we are stealing out of you know what i mean like like you don't even know us like, again he has batteries in his hand no pockets and then my cousin was heated i took him out of the store but that whole situation i'm like man this it's crazy because like this still goes on to this day where like i can't go in the store without someone being in the next aisle watching me thinking i'm up to no good and it's ridiculous you know this is bad yeah. So, so again, you, you both brought up, you know, something that I think is important for us. If and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is something that again we all feel, right? Is it's hard to tell somebody that you feel like you don't belong. I think that's exactly what you said, Eli. Or you know, Tristan, you know, you had to make up in your mind, or you made up in your mind, what if I had gone out and confronted this person who started this? Who's going? Who are they going to see? as being wrong. And I think, again, for all of us in here, in this, in this conversation, you know, that feeling of not belonging. And so, I, you know, I'm gonna say this, this is not only a store, because I felt the same thing. I've, you know, been walking with my friends when I was younger, and we've been asked to disperse as a group for whatever reason. We've had police officers constantly go back and forth with us. But I'll also say in an education system, right, people don't understand that when you're in a classroom and you are the only black person or one of three or, you know, the, the minority that's in that group, you have in the back of your head, you know, that feeling of I'm different. Right. And it's hard to explain to somebody unless you go there, go somewhere else where you you are feeling that same type of thing. And, you know, all eyes are on you when they talk about slavery. All eyes are on you when they talk about, you know, uh, affirmative action. All eyes are on you when they talk about, you know, Black History Month or whatever it is. And, you know, you have this level of responsibility, this level of, uh, you know, you have to make sure that if I was going into a store, make sure that, yeah, I'm letting you know I'm in the store. Hey, I'm not, I'm not taking anything. Hey, I'm out of the store. I don't have anything in my hands. You know, like you have to ha kind of have that in the back of your head. 
it's a hard thing to to, to kind of convey to somebody. But Nemo, I, you know, I, I'll let you if you have a story as well. Yeah, sure, I do. Um, this is an academic one. Uh, again, my first year of university, I was out in Vermont, and I remember I had to take a, a science course, and like like just one, okay. And I hate, not hate, I, I don't enjoy science. Sorry, Bowen. <laughs> and um, I remember I didn't do well in the first like midterm or test or whatever. And, and truthfully, like I didn't put time into it. I didn't study, like, I don't like science. So I'm like, what, I'm not, I'm just trying to pass this class. Like I get it done. And then I remember, um, oh good. I remember my brother asking me like, oh, like, like, how, what are your classes like? I'm like, yeah, I was taking a science course. Like, I just have to get it over with. He was like, what? And then I remember when we got those grades back, I didn't do well. And my, and I was like upset, obviously. But at the end of the day, I set myself up. Like, I didn't study. And I remember the professor handing back my, my test. And it was like, it's okay. Like, I wasn't expecting too much from you. And that was when I was like, that, that got me. So I just remember after that, I was like, you know what? By fire, by force, I am going to do well in this class just to prove this guy wrong. And I remember our midterm, um, he always gave us like an opportunity for bonus marks. There was like five bonus marks, right? And I remember I got a 102% on the midterm. Uh, like I think it was the highest in the class. And I just I just remember studying so hard for this. Cause I was like, you know what? If this guy really thinks I can't do it, I'm gonna prove him wrong. Like I don't care. Like this is the class. This is this is it. And and after he and I remember he didn't when he handed back all the exams, he didn't hand mine back. So I'm like, okay, you know, he's probably gonna just celebrate. You know, he's he probably gonna give me some props. I go up and he's like, I want to talk to you in the class. I'm like, all right. And mind you, like mind you, it was a written exam. Like we were in in lecture writing like I had my, I didn't have my phone on me I didn't have anything and he accused me of cheating and he was like you definitely must have been cheating like there's no way that you get um I think I got like like a 52 on the first one like the quiz and then like about 102 percent and I told him like I got like that's the highest in the he's like you got the highest mark in the class so I was like how am I cheating if I got the highest mark in the class like how does that make any sense and I remember I had to go above him. Um, and then after that, like pretty much, like I remember like the next one, I, I got like a, a little, like I didn't get 102%. I think I got like an 80, like a high 80s. And he was like, oh, so you can't keep it up anymore. Like you can't handle the pressure. And it's, and I think like after that experience, I realized that I'm like, as much as like I work hard for, for my grades, work hard for whatever I do, there's still people that are going to question my abilities and question whether or not I'm doing it myself or I have the knowledge or um, skills to even attain those things. So that was like a tough experience. And I'm like, what the heck? This is insane. Like, and it, again, I, I truly believe it was definitely because of the color of my skin. I was the only black girl in that class. Um, well, black person in general. Um, so I think like for him, it was, I don't know what it was like yeah. what kind of energy it was but it was it was a lot like i was yeah i was pretty tough i'm glad i'm glad that you brought up that example um you know because again we are in a at a university 
Um, and, you know, in an educational system, again, we're all athletes or you're, you're all athletes. Uh, and, you know, we, you hear a lot, you, you know, we, we can talk about it, you know, microaggressions. And I think what you're bringing up is one of those things that's a microaggression. And it's difficult for, again, for someone to understand because they say, well, yeah, yeah you know, that's that prof is a jerk or she was a jerk, whatever it was. But what you don't understand is that when you go through a history of delivering pizzas and someone pulling a gun on you, you know, you going for breakfast and having people call you the N-word, walking into a store and having, you know, security guards or the owners or somebody else thinking that you're stealing, that all of those things add to, you know, a feeling, and I'll get back to that, of not belonging. So, you know, again, I think from an educational or, you know, because we're in university, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll ask the group in here, uh, you know, thinking about your time at university, you know, those, how do, how do those things affect you? How does, how does, you know, something a coach says, something a professor says, Nemo, you brought up really good, right? Like it actually made you work, you know, which is say to, to try and prove somebody wrong and you still didn't prove them wrong, right? They still had an implicit bias in their head that you couldn't do it, right? So maybe if anyone wants to speak about like, how does that, how does that impact you? Those, those, those microaggressions, as you will, those things that a coach might say, a professor might say. Mm -hmm. I'll open it up to anybody. I'm sorry, I just have a thought in my head and I gotta get it out before I forget. I, I'd be forgetting things very quickly. So I was just gonna say, like, that's a really great point. And one thing that I realized um, throughout all of these experiences growing up is um, I started to just honestly focus on myself and look internally. And again, like close the gap of, um, I guess like tighten my circle in a sense and really look at the people that, okay, like the, that are for me and who's, who's actually looking out for me and focus on that. And I, it took me a while to kind of just like go internal and, and, and understand that, you know what, like whatever I do, no matter if I work hard or not, there's going to be someone out there that's not going to appreciate or respect what I'm doing. Um, and it took, it took a long time because I am a hard worker and I, for a very long time, I, I used to just strive to obviously please others and make sure that I'm, I'm um, making my parents and my family proud. And then when I realized that like, okay, I, I'm, I'm able to do that, but then I can't, I can't seem to do with other people. And then when I experienced those microaggressions, I realized that, you know what, even if I approach the situation with as much empathy, um, understanding, and and just openness it it might not translate it might not it might not be in reverse and once i kind of figured out you know what like it's not me it's you that's when i realized like okay you know what like it, it made it easier to kind of move forward and and in a way it is i would say like it there's pros and cons to it because at the end of the day sometimes i do kind of dismiss a lot of microaggressions because i'm like you know what? i don't have time for this you are not adding to my life. You're not benefiting me in any way. So I'm just going to dismiss you and move on rather than turning up and, and getting mad and and um, putting myself in a worse situation. So that's that's something that I learned to do. And again, my family, my siblings were definitely a big contributor. If I, 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 I was not I never allowed to get mad. I was never allowed to show anger either. So 
that that was the tough part because I'm stubborn too. So when I figured out how to kind of just go internal and understand my feelings and understand that it's not what my doing, it's others, it made it easier for me to kind of move forward and focus on my goals and be successful, essentially. Yeah, perfect. I, I, I see, I, I didn't know if anybody else wanted to add. All right. Yeah, I was going to add to that. So um, a lot of those microaggressions, um, for me, especially on campus, is just, you know, just being a threat for all those, you know, being seen as a, a threat all the time has just made me uh, be more cautious. Like, again, like in a classroom or just walking to my next classroom, like I'm 6'3", you know, um, I got to smile first in, in front of certain individuals to just um, have them, you know, see me as a non-threat, you know what I mean? And again, um, something that I catch myself doing a lot, and it's something I've got to break out of, but it's like it's always, um, you know, wanting to be accepted by, because again, I'm a bat in the basketball court, a bunch of us are there. That's my, you know, that's my, that's my environment, you know, I'm comfortable there, but when I'm, you know, again, I'm on campus. It's not the same because, again, I'm, I'm a lot of those microaggressions of seeing a threat. I ultimately bring those into play because I don't know what these people are thinking, or I don't know, like, when we get back to normal, like being, you know, in teachers' class, being a black person. I don't know, like, there's not a lot of black people in teachers' class. So it's like, all right, like, yo, like, what, you know, like, how am I supposed to act, like, you know? So. I might bring those defense mechanism of, you know, just continue to be cautious, smile first, you know, um, again, um, just be aware of their feelings before mine. Like, well, not going to do that, but I'm going to try to catch myself more of doing those little things to uh, get upset, acceptance and approval from a lot of the people in our community. Yeah. And Tristan, I, I thought I saw your mic come off. Were you going to say something? No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to say, but I, I mean, I agree with Tula and uh, Nemo because you know you gotta learn to have tough skin, and you gotta you gotta be aware of your surroundings. And like Tula said, I I try myself. I try to make sure I'm aware of what's going on around, behind me, to the side of me, even ten feet away from me, whatever it may be. But yeah, I agree with both of the, both of their points. Yeah, and and I think that again kind of speaks to that. You know, you. It's hard to you know, articulate to somebody that you have that feeling all the time, right? Like the non-belonging, and then you're talking about here, knowing your surroundings, both of you are talking about that, right? Nemo, you're talking about it, right? When someone interacts with you, there is that concern of, are they interacting with me because of the color of my skin and, and acting that way? Or is it because I am good at what I did or, 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 or whatever? And as I, I just kind of keep stressing this, right? You guys are successful. You guys are, you guys, are in university on you know athletic teams successful athletes that are there and you still are thinking about this so imagine imagine for the kids that are not who went into those applied classes just because whose parents didn't try to didn't didn't know the system coming from a different country didn't know the system or just like oh, I applied looks good to me and now this kid couldn't get to where you are right how important it is for you know everyone to understand that hey so we don't have a lot of time left, and there's a, there, there are a couple of things that I, that I do want to talk about in here, but I, I'm going to get back to the to, to sport in, in particular because you know this is this is what we're doing, and I don't really know how to ask this question because it, it you know I, we could talk for another 
three hours about this, but it's what do you want? What do you think coaches, what do you think administrators should know? What, what will help them? Because everything that you talk about with the mentors, with the families, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It, that, that holds true, for, you know, for, for everyone. But what do you want to know? Because it's pretty clear, you know, this is not anything that, that, that's, you know, profound, but the majority of your professors are not Black. The majority of your coaches are not black. The majority of, you know, administrators are not black. You know, what do you think that they should know in order to, and how do you not know human rights? But what, what, what do you think, what would you want to tell them to say, this can, this can help the kids coming up, can help me come up, feel like I, I belong, those types of things. Um, I'll, speak, I'll speak on this first. Uh, as the, for the football team, we're blessed to have uh, Coach JP as our head coach. You know, Coach JP has, with all the recent events in society this past year and this year, he encouraged the team to have the difficult talks. You know, difficult talks about white privilege. He he came out. The first thing he said is, "I have white privilege." He he uh, recognized that, and then he went on to tell us. He, he did educate us on it a bit, but he wanted us to speak about it. So he put us in breakout rooms where uh, we spoke about it. We spoke what we thought it meant to, to us, an example of it, things like that. So like, I think coaches, professors, if you're in a group setting, like we are, you know, it's important to have the difficult talks because that's going to help you educate people, but you also have to be willing to be educated. You got to be open to learn, open to listen. Love it. So, Nemo? Yeah, I completely agree with um, what Tristan said for sure. Like having those um, uncomfortable and uncomfortable conversations. But also, I'd also mention, like, I also want to add, sorry. Um, I think one thing that I would like, that I would say to any coaches or administration or professors or whatever it is to, to be understanding of, of, every kid's um, differences because everybody has a different upbringing everybody comes from a different situation and understanding that not everyone's the same I think that's one thing that um, sorry for my use of words but pisses me off um, when I hear a coach or a professor tell me well I can't do this for everybody like you're not different from everybody else and then I'm like what I am you know but everyone else is different too. Like I know I'm, I'm not, I am different from everyone else, but everyone is different from everyone else too. Right. So understanding that like to approach, I think again, approach situations with empathy and, and understanding, um, especially when it comes to coaching and co like, I want to become a coach one day and I've started to coach a little bit. And that's something that like, I try to instill so much is, is to understand that every kid comes comes from a different situation so you gotta you gotta cater to that to each individual little little differently obviously it's hard when you're dealing with a, um, a large group of of people um and athletes and, and students and whatever but like be em be empathetic and understand that people got things going on everyone has um their own stressors everyone has their own situations and and just be more understanding i think that's the biggest thing that like I would emphasize and and um, would would like to tell any coaches, administration, whoever it is. 
um, authority figures, I guess. Yeah, good. Delia, I know you're you were about to. Yeah, just again, I agree with uh, both Tristan and Yamoy. So it's like, again, just having those difficult conversations and holding our like people accountable. You know, like again, all we can do is just educate and like Yamoy alluded to, like just, um, just have some type of empathy towards you know, like whoever you're dealing with, um, and just kind of understanding perspectives, you know, and just taking the time to, you know. If your ability or if a student is coming to you a lot about not being able to do something, like understand why, like, you know, take a little uh, second of your email and then you'll be good. But that's that's pretty much it. Like just understanding and just having those uh, conversations in society about, you know, um, you don't know something, you know, just ask, you know, we're willing to, you know, share, you know, and, and educate you. And again, I'll be happy to tell you about my culture and what our belief systems are and some of the things that make me who I am instead of, you know, like, again, this is deeper than anything else. So I, I can go on forever, but again, just um, just ask and we'll be able to, you know, tell you. Yeah. Talk to people, understand, right? You're talking to people, that's what it is. Understanding, trying to remove, if I'm reading what you guys are saying, you know, remove those implicit biases that you might have. A six foot three black guy is not, going to steal from your store or not more likely to steal from your store than a five foot nine white guy. Right. So, you know, it's, if I'm reading again, what you're saying, you know, the coach of football team, having these open conversations, you know, having these breakout groups where people can, can talk about it. You know, it's a part of the solution. You all talked about mentorship, right? So be that family, be that a teacher and how important it is for a teacher to recognize that there are strengths in an individual, you know, how, how negative it is for a teacher to think one way about a student, regardless of who that, that, that student is. Um, you know, understanding those histories, right? Like we all, you know, maybe, maybe two of us, you two, you know, have a similar-ish history, but all of us here, I don't really know your history, right? Like, I don't know what it was like to be born in Chicago, you know, move to Virginia. I don't know what it was like to be, you know, born in, is it Ethiopia or Sudan? Yeah. Um, to be born overseas, move over to North America, you know, have multiple languages that I speak and have to, you know, navigate a system. I don't know those things, right? The one thing that we share, obviously, is the color of our skin. And that's what people see right away and have those biases. And all you have to do is just talk. I think that that's what, what, what you're saying. So I, we're trying to keep this under an hour. So much more that I have on here with respect to, to sport, the to top. But, the, you know, it is Black History Month or African Heritage Month. Um, you know, I'll ask this, you know, a lot of the NBA players are doing this, the WNBA players are doing this. What, what does this month mean to you? And we can, whoever wants to start can go ahead. I guess I'll start. <laughs> um, honestly, it took me a minute, like, to kind of wrap my head around this. Um, so fully, like, understand what it means to me. Um, reason I say that is because, again, like, I, I'm not... I wasn't born here, you know, like I'm raised here, obviously. Um, but the, the history that black history obviously is, is surrounded by is mainly American history. And then um, not only until 1995 that was adapted, uh, Canada um, took on, started introducing, well, I think that was when it was like introducing parliament or whatever it was. Um, so so not, not long ago was it 
was it even brought over to Canada and celebrated? Um, so for me, like what it means to me is really just like having an appreciation and understanding that again, like obviously I'm from Africa and I came from Africa and that's a whole different history, but also understanding, okay, like I, yes, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my family, um, leaving, uh, the war that they're in obviously. But then again, like I still would not be wearing a lot of the things that I was wearing, that I'm wearing or doing or be able to go or or use a lot of the app, um, the devices that I use if it wasn't for black people in the past. Those trailblazers who kind of pushed through and, and created these opportunities for a lot of us black people today. Again, like we're not, I don't think, I think we, there's a still, there's still a long, um, we're still like, there's still a lot of process and not prog process, progress that we have to make. But to understand that, like, in order to move forward, you have to you have to appreciate, understand the past, the good and the bad, um, and and keep moving forward with it. So I think for me, Black History Month um, is very important because it just kind of gives everybody an opportunity to to really take time and and educate themselves about Black people and and the history um, surrounded by it. And I'd also say that another thing that kind of uh, upsets me is that it's limited to just one month obviously I think like if we can introduce that if it can like like growing up I'm pretty sure I didn't learn anything about black history in school and I used to get excited because like I would do my own research you know like oh you know February's coming up like <laughs> how to celebrate but um but then now I'm like wait we can why can't we do this all the time why isn't in why why aren't students learning about this like why isn't it in history, like in our history classes? Like, this is a lot more exciting, not gonna lie. A lot of the appliances that we use are created and made by black people. Basketball, come on now. Like, <laughs> come on, like we wouldn't be playing black dudes. So I think that just like, it, for me, it's just, um, it's important because it gives it gives people and it highlights a lot of the trailblazers and the steps that we've made moving forward. Yeah. Hey, you guys want to say anything there? Yeah, um, I have three words when I think about Black history, like what I think about it or what it means to me. Uh, I think of appreciation, education, and celebration. Like we should appreciate, like around the world, it should be appreciated. The Black history, the the trailblazers, like Nemo said, and educating people on the tragedies of Black history. Not only the tragedies, but celebrating the Black excellence. And also, like Nemo said, I do want one day, hopefully, that it's not all compiled into one month. Because I learn more about Black history when I go on social media during this month than I learn about Black history in school. And I like, I think that's a problem. I think we should it should be incorporated into, like, in America. I don't know how it is here in the states. It's uh, so it's called social studies, and that's basically history. And mm -hmm. I, I, again, like Nemo said, I didn't, I don't remember many times where. <clears throat> I learned about black history so yeah no and i'll say that you know you're not alone in canada again the education system has maybe changed a bit since i went to school but you didn't learn you didn't learn about it uh Taloy. so I, I agree with both you guys and again to me as like nemo said it's very important you know a lot of iconic figures um you know they kind of go under the rug, you know, and you don't really hear about them, like, 
I was, you know, this past month, I was so happy that Kara Tubman was finally going to be on a $20 bill. And, you know, she's an iconic figure, you know what I mean? Like, she did so much, and she was, you know, the blueprint of almost everything that we're going through. So it's like, um, it's amazing, you know. Again, a lot of our people, again, we're very resilient people. So it's like, that should be celebrated and give hope to a lot of um, the next generation to do a lot of the things that had happened. And, again, they don't really see that until this month, which sucks, you know, and... And gratefully, uh, because social media and stuff allows us to see a lot of that. But growing up, I didn't really see, you know, I got into uh, history class. And that's only if you get a good teacher who, you know, just decides to dive into those type of conversations. So I say it's important because, you know, we just need to um, um, see a, a lot of our people, you know, that will be able to inspire many of the youth that are growing up, you know, so that's, that's important. Yeah, and so obviously, right, a, a complex issue, Tristan, I love that, appreciation, education, celebration. You know, Nemo talking about why, you know, Black History Month seems like, why is this all put down into one, you know, the shortest month, by the way, right? Well, I think that everyone brings that up, but the, the shortest month, why is everything there? It doesn't stop when February ends, right? You know, this appreciation, education, celebration is the whole time. And, you know, Taloy, as you said, there is excellence. Like it is not only, uh, you know, let's learn about slavery and how we can bring people, we can help them, right? It's also showing there are people that are successful, not are, there are many. In fact, there are nations that are run by black people, right? So, you know, it's important that we, we, we keep those things in mind. Um, you know, I, we are, are at an hour, but I, again, because you guys are panelists, like, you know, I've, I want to let you, if there's anything that you think that you you, you did, weren't able to say, you know, to say it, we probably have in the next minute or so. If there's anything you thought you wanted to say, and, and you, you, here's your chance to do it. Yes, I want to say something real quick, sorry. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say is, I think another reason why um, Black history is so important to me is because it also highlights and uh, highlights the first. I don't, uh, I guess, Okay, I'll explain this a little further. There's there's always, like, whenever I do, like, history, I mean, my research um, about Black history, there's always a first to do something, right? There's always, like, the first Black person to do this, the first Black person to do this. And, like, for example, Barack Obama, the first Black president, and that wasn't too long ago. And something that I've realized is, like, and uh, Taloy and my brother actually have their whole um, slogan surrounded by this, why not you? And that's something that, like, I always remember, like, when when I when I look at Black history, I'm like, okay, why can't it be me? Why can't I be the first Black person to, I don't know, like, why can't I be? Why can't I be that person? Why can't the next Black person um, that I see on the street be the next female um, prime minister? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's yeah. the reason why it's so um, important. It makes me realize, like, it kind of gives gives uh gives me confidence and um keeps me humble because i'm like you know what oh we're, we're doing something we got there's there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of us to grow and it's it's so good seeing people of your of your color obviously succeeding um so that's another reason why like it's so important and i and i love um black history but again just let's not limit it let's let's 
introduce it. 36, 365 days. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just into light. You guys good? Yeah, so uh, myself and my cousin, uh, Nemo's brother, so we decided to launch uh, Why Not You basketball training. Um, just, you know, to just, again, not just basketball, we just want to impact kids to just believe in themselves as people, first and foremost. Basketball, again, it will come the skills, you know, we'll teach the necessary skills, but we want to ensure that we, um, you know, just help kids become better people and just inspire them that they themselves can just become whatever they want, you know, because again, myself and Nemo's brother, we, we come for nothing and we were able to go through all those obstacles, um, a lot of those trials and tribulations and, and ultimately, you know, overcame many of those. And it's because, again, it's just having that why not you mentality and just saying, yo, listen, I, I, I see these guys been through it and I, I can do it as well because, again, I have them to guide me along the way as along with a lot of the people they have in their life. So, again, anything is possible with those um, possibilities. So, yeah, that's how we came up with it. You know, we just want to um, give that's back to the community. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I love it. Good. Well, yeah. And so you, you, uh, you know, Nemo, you brought up that, you know, why not me? It's, a, it's so important. It's so important because, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, some of the things we talked about are a small component of systemic or institutionalized racism, you know, and histor the history of racism across the world, right? So some of the things we're talking about, if it was mentorship, if it was, you know, how you got to where you are, like those are all small components, but that belief in yourself comes from, you know, people, you know, removing barriers to you being, be it as simple as saying, I'm not gonna put this kid who, you know, has come from another country, their English is not that good, I'm not gonna put them in apply. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna let you fail at university level but I'm gonna believe that you could be there, right? I'm gonna believe that you could be there. So why not you? So I think it's important if I'm gonna put a message out here for you know, young black students, kids, you know, keep that, get those t-shirts made. Why not me? Why not me? Anyways, I think we're done for time right now. So I just wanna say thank you. Um, you know, again, these are conversations, these, these are talks that could go on forever. You know, I, I, I hope that, you know, university systems, education system, you know, the world, you know, makes these these changes, be them smaller, you know, now, but to, to make things better for, for people going forward. And just say again, I, I said twice now, but, you know, don't forget that you're, you were listening to three young, successful uh, black people from all parts of the world. And, you know, that's a good representation of, you know, of, of our culture, of our, of our people, let's put it that way. Yeah, we have different cultures, our people. Um, anyways, we'll leave it at that. So, the end. This program is once again sponsored by the University of Windsor Alumni Association. Be sure to visit them on the web at uwindsor.ca forward slash alumni to check out all the services and events offered to University of Windsor alumni.